Custom Car Care. Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, you have some out-of-this-country uh, automotive experience. I yes. Believe. So I was in Mexico for the 2023 KSGF Great Escape. I, every time you guys go, like every year, I kick myself for not making the time, making the money, making the commitment, I guess, to go with you guys. Because I guarantee that is probably... You know, it's always nice to go on vacation, but with a group of people like you guys do yeah. it, I bet it's absolutely 10 times better. Oh, and it's so fun. And anytime I always get kind of anxious when I travel yeah. and especially when I'm going out of the country where their language is in English. Mm-hmm. And so that's very intimidating for me. Did that hinder you guys at all? No, not at all. Okay. Most of the people that we encountered while we were in Mexico, they spoke broken English or they were very fluent mm-hmm. in English, actually. So we were we didn't have a language barrier, thankfully. Okay. Excellent. Um, but it is very intimidating. And I know there's a lot of other people out there that it's stressful when you travel. So yes. it's nice to know that if you have a question, there are 80 other people around you. And oh, wow. I'm sure that one other person might have that same mm-hmm. question or they may have an answer for you. And so you kind of have a support network. Yeah. So you're not flying solo mm-hmm. or the, the burden isn't all on one or two people. Yep. You guys take it as a team, apparently. Yes. And awesome. so it was a blast. We had an amazing resort. They claim that they are gourmet inclusive, which basically means that they have the most delicious food in the world. Oh, really? And they really did. I did not have a bad thing there. Wow. And uh, our catamaran, we typically do one on Uh the Great Escape. That got canceled because, unfortunately, the water was really, really rough while we were Mm. down there, so we weren't able to do that. But Ryan and I still were able to get out and about, and we went to Chitsnitsi. Okay. And that is the the very famous big Mayan ruins. Oh, okay. Yes. I was trying to go back to middle school uh, <laughs> geography, I guess. Yes. And history. <laughs> so you got to see the Mayan ruins. Yes. And <sighs> I'm telling you, it was the most amazing thing that I have ever seen. So do you climb to the top? Because it's <laughs> stairs, right? It's yes. a significant amount of so stairs. So you are no longer able to oh, climb okay. them because it is a uh, seven wonders of the world. So they oh. stopped. Well, my tour guide told us that they stopped allowing people to climb it mm-hmm. on 7 7 of 07. Oh, wow. Because that's when it became this one of the seven wonders oh, of the world. Makes sense. Yeah. So uh, while we were out and about, I saw tons of vehicles and I actually took a ridiculous amount you of did. show notes. I see that. <laughs> so I thought maybe we could talk about yeah, it a little let's bit. Let's do that. So I saw lots of cars and SUVs and a lot of names that we are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, down in Cancun, there's a lot of Nissans, Toyotas, Chevys, Hyundai, and a lot of Volkswagen, mm. believe it or not. <laughs> Goodness, I would not have expected that, but I could see it, I suppose. Yeah, and uh, there was not a lot of trucks that I noticed. And more of it, like I said, was cars and mm-hmm. SUVs. But the trucks that I did see, do you want to guess what type they were? Mm. So probably not an American-made company, I would assume. Or was it? It was. Really? Yeah. Did my Fords, did they take it? They did. Yes, that makes me so happy. The most amount of trucks that I saw were Ford Rangers. Oh, mm-hmm. like new or old Rangers? A mixture of both. Okay. Yeah. So the Ford Ranger lives on. Yes. Like they're, you can't put them down. You really can't. <laughs> <laughs> you really can't. Uh, there was also a lot of Volkswagen trucks. Hmm. And... I, I, at first I was like, I didn't even know that Volkswagen made a truck. Just, 
Because they made some like back in the day. Were mm -hmm. these older ones or they were, these... were. Oh, okay? Yeah. So more of and I probably have this wrong, but the it's either the Volkswagen pup truck or the Volkswagen Rabbit. I don't remember which one. I'm not a Volkswagen aficionado, so um, really a lot of those down south. Yep, huh? mm -hmm. saw quite a few of those, and I also saw a lot of vans as well. Many of them, which were Toyota vans. Uh -huh. Now, while we were in Cancun or a portion of Cancun, saw a lot of dealerships. Of course, mm -hmm. I saw Toyota, Nissan, Chevy. They looked a lot like ours down here in okay. the States. There was not a lot of the vehicles on the lot. Now, what was interesting about their lots, especially the Nissan dealership, they actually had their vehicles parked on the roof. Of the of the dealership. Of the dealership. You know, that's not a bad idea. So I don't know if they were vehicles Security that... Security-wise would be yes, great. So I don't know if they were waiting to be worked on or if they were brand new vehicles and they just put them up there at night. It was the evening time that we drove through and I saw huh. that. So I thought that was very interesting. You know, that that would serve many, many benefits Security being one, mm -hmm. space being the other. If, you know, uh, real estate essentially was a, a high-end commodity down there. I wonder why nobody has done that here in the States. I think that's a brilliant idea. I don't know, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if the other dealerships did it or not, because I just, I when we passed them, I was like, oh, look, there's a, there's a Chevy dealership mm -hmm. and there's a Toyota dealership. But the Nissan one, it just really caught me off guard because we stopped at a stoplight yeah. and I got to take a look at it for a while. And I was like, there are vehicles on the roof. That's interesting. That is very cool. Now, I also passed a lot of gas stations while uh -huh. we were down there. So I thought that this was interesting. So they sell their gas per liter. Uh-huh. And gas was 23, I don't even know how to say this, 23.59 pesos per liter. Okay. So that translates out to around 4.95 a gallon. Wow. So yes. they're actually paying more for fuel than we are right now. Mm-hmm. Goodness. So I thought that was kind of interesting and that kind of varied as we drove up and down the coast, but it was typically anywhere from that 495 to like 530 a gallon. Wow. Yeah. So that kind of leads to why you didn't see a lot of big trucks, I assume. And most for cars or mm, that's smaller a good SUVs point. is I guarantee, you know, that obviously the peso being, I guess, less valuable or weaker versus the dollar and, you know, having to feed something, you know, that requires a lot of petroleum either way whether it's diesel or gas it makes very good sense yeah now speaking of vehicles mm -hmm. i think i mentioned this the last time i went to mexico but i'm always thrown aback by the police vehicles mm -hmm. down there so they are actually trucks mm -hmm. and they are rams and i think that they are 1500 and they have bars on the back of the bed and I'm trying to paint a picture here. So the, the bars like stand up so where the police officers can actually ride in the bed of the truck and hold on. Oh, okay. And they also have a bench right down the middle of the bed so they can also hold on and set down in the back wow. of the bed as well. So it's almost kind of like a response vehicle, I guess, where you could fit 10 dudes in a truck, roll up on scene and go to work. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, it always throws me off whenever I see the the police because they they have all of their gear on. Mm-hmm. They have great big guns that they're walking around with, and they have these checkpoints along the highway that mm. they have these great big speed bumps that you have to go over, and then your vehicles go real slow. So we got a pretty good look at their their vehicles and their their gear. So they were kitted up and ready for business. They were. They're not messing around down there. Well, it sounds like that's what it takes to to uh, not get steamrolled down there, for lack of a better way to put it. Yes. Okay. So I talked about that, uh, but there was a lot of makes and models that I didn't recognize. So one of them was, uh, so the the logo is kind of like a diamond shape, kind of like, like that. Okay. And I believe that the group is called the Renault Group. Mm-hmm. I believe that's how I pronounce it. And the, the vehicle that I saw a lot of was the... Auric. Okay. I think that's how you say it. Now, they retail around 365,700 pesos okay. or about $20,000 right. uh, if you buy the new basic trim package. And they were a pretty good looking vehicle. Hmm. I'll make sure to post it on ksgf.com in the podcast section so you can just take a look at how other vehicles look in different countries. Sure. There's also another one that before the show started, we were talking about, uh, which is the Toyota Helix Mm -hmm. or Hilux. I've heard it pronounced both ways, so I'm not exactly sure which is the proper way. Now, those are about $28,000 in our currency if we wanted to purchase a new one. However, we don't sell them in the United States. Which is a shame because those trucks are amazing i mean workhorse trucks they're very popular throughout the rest of the world and you had brought up off break of why we don't have them here in the states which i think is a real big bummer because that would be what i would consider the economy like new workhorse truck like back in the day you had the ford ranger and the s10 and the dodge dakota they were pretty reasonable you still had capabilities you could get them an extended cab and you could still haul and even do some towing with those. I've, you know, when I was younger, I had a good buddy of mine who had a Ford Ranger, and that was the workingest truck ever. I mean, you just beat on it, beat on it, beat on it, and you could not slow that thing down. It was dependable as can be, and those Toyotas, the same way. You know, you see them over in Europe, you see them in Asia, obviously South America. Um, they're a huge, huge just staple of good transportation, good reliability to where they don't need a lot of upkeep. And it's a real bummer of why we don't have them here in the States. If a manufacturer would come out with a reasonably priced compact truck, you know, such as the Ranger S10 Dakota, uh, the original uh, T100 or I think the Toyota Coma back in the day, I think you would just sell the tar out of those things. Um, Sarah, have you looked at like what the smaller, I say smaller, they're really not, but the compact trucks, the, the newer Rangers, um, I guess they kind of did that with the Ford Maverick, but the price point is so high on those vehicles. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And even whenever they are like new to you as mm-hmm. well, they are also still pretty expensive. I think that Ryan, he has the, uh, the Chevy Colorado, mm-hmm. which is, I would consider a smaller mid-sized truck. Sure. And I think he ended up paying around 20000 for yeah. it, and that was, you know, new to us, but sure. it was still pre-owned. Yeah, it just it amazes me, and the value of those trucks and, and used cars are going to start pulling back a little bit, and I would argue that they have. But we're going to step into a break, Sarah, and I'll be right back in a moment. Your complete car care solution, 
All right, welcome back, Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Talking a little worldly, I guess. Yeah, look at us. So you said that there's a high tariff on that Toyota Hilux or Helux, however the uh, pronunciation is supposed to be done. Yes. That's why we can't have them here in the States, essentially. So hotcars.com, this is uh, because I just Googled. (laughs) Yep. So it says, due to a tax policy imposed by the American government called the chicken tax, importing a light truck built outside the U.S. requires the 25% tariff. This 25% jump in the cost would make the Helix too expensive to compete with other compact trucks in the U.S. market. Hmm. Now, I'm a fan of compact trucks. I don't know anything about this chicken tax, so I'm going to have to look into that. The chicken. I love the fact they called it the chicken tax. I'm going to have to look that up. You know, I've got a little Mazda that I've talked about for years. It's still out in the field. I went and looked at it. It is not quite as sunken in the dirt as you and Ryan's old Chevy was, by mm-hmm. the way. But it's starting to get there. As I looked at the saddled truck that has served me so well... I bought it probably when I was 18. I probably drove it until I was 28 or 30, maybe. Uh, Truck was extremely reliable. Um, I have pulled, I shouldn't even say anything like this, but uh, I built a custom bumper for it, and I've always had a a utility trailer, 18-foot with a 2-foot dovetail. I've hauled the most crazy stuff with this truck. Uh, so much that I tore the clutch out of it at one time. So it has a fairly new clutch in it. Um, thing is just rock solid and I neglected it and essentially mice got in there and ate up the wiring on it. And it is sat now for probably close to eight or 10 years, which is completely my fault. I can't blame that on anybody, but I will resurrect that truck. I keep talking about it and I haven't done anything with it, but I was out there the last couple of weekends out in the field, giving it a old gander and I need to do something with it. But yeah. that this kind of lights the fire back under me again, talking about the little compact trucks. Right. For sure. So I did see a lot of little compact trucks, and they were, the ones that I saw in the morning time were the most interesting. Mm. They were kind of just put together. Yes. And they were put together so much so that there wasn't even, I couldn't even tell what make and model Mm -hmm. that they were supposed to be. Logos had been scratched off throughout the years. They had Mm -hmm. been rebuilt and rebuilt again. And so I had no idea. But a lot of them looked like like S10s almost. Mm -hmm. And in the morning, we saw a lot of these just little compact trucks that were kind of beat down. Uh, They had these makeshift cages on them and these bars in the back in the bed of the truck. And workers would stand in it and use it kind of almost like a taxi or like a subway system, if you will. And there was probably, and I'm not even exaggerating, probably anywhere from like 10 to maybe even 30 people in these vehicles at one point. And they were all going probably to the the same location to work for the day. Wow. So essentially, like, you know, vehicles get imported into Mexico. Uh, I know there's some rules and regulations that have to be so old, etc., but once they're down there, they like scavenge pieces to to make one out of three or four or, you know, piece things together to keep whatever they've got going. Um, very resourceful folks, it sounds like it down there. I can't imagine that being the way that I have to approach fixing cars. Yeah, it would definitely have to be innovative. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Definitely thinking outside the box. Working with what you got versus just buying a new such and such and throwing it in there. It's pretty incredible. 
I am, I don't want to say seeing that shift in the automotive uh, market at the moment, but we're seeing a lot of folks bringing vehicles that they have, you know, maybe not used in several years or trying to get vehicles, you know, going. We're seeing people buy vehicles that they can purchase outright right now. You know, we're, I don't want to say we're in the tax season, but anybody that's filed their taxes recently, there's definitely been a decline in deductions. I don't know if you noticed any of that. Um, they're they're keeping more of your money and not giving it back to to the folks out there. So we're seeing folks instead of going out and buying new cars or new to them cars, as far as a few years old, they're buying older cars or trying to resurrect. You know, I've talked oftentimes about our personal vehicles, my family's personal vehicles, and it's something that you know I, I feel is quite a blessing, I guess, to be able to keep an older vehicle running. You know, for and it's not forever. It's not that I think we should be able to drive our cars for 40 years like they do down in Mexico. But if you could, how much of a difference would that change things in your financial um, outlook? So I've talked many times about looking at new pickups and whatnot. And I actually stopped this last week at two different Ford dealerships. You want to take a guess at at, uh, some of those prices that I saw out there? I've probably starting price at 50 and that's the low end. So they're out in Aurora. I stopped at Jimmy Mitchell Motors, which I have done some business with them over the years. Really good dealership, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Just great salt of the earth, folks. Talked to one of their salesmen. They had a used 2019 F2, uh, no, it was a 350, four-door long bed. Beautiful truck. Mm -hmm. Absolutely beautiful truck. Um, Had about 80-ish thousand miles on it. It was a diesel. But it was almost sixty thousand yeah. bucks for a used truck. Sounds about right. Then I stopped there at Corwin Ford in uh, Republic, and they had, believe it or not, Sarah, they had a twenty twenty two that was used with eighty miles on it. Somebody had bought this truck, didn't work out for whatever reason, and returned it. Whatever they did, they had a used twenty twenty two F three fifty with a dually four door four wheel drive. It was $87,000. And, you know, I keep threatening to buy a new truck. Everybody's probably sick of hearing me (laughs) talk about it. But it kind of, like, as I was, you know, visiting just real quick, hey, what's the, you know, cost, price, payment, et cetera. I'd love to say I got $87,000 sitting around, but I don't have. So financing would be my option on it. Payment would be like $1,400 a month. Wow. And as I think about that, I'm like, you know what, my... Paid off three hundred and fifty thousand, four hundred and forty thousand mile diesels. Man, I can put a lot of love and reconditioning into those vehicles and drive them maybe another couple of years before I buy a new truck. So I'm not saying that I'm not buying a new truck, but I'm not as in as big of a hurry as I was now that like reality and the finances. And I think there's a lot of people out there thinking that right now. I'm seeing folks bring or buy vehicles that are older that I haven't seen in a few years and put some significant investment in those vehicles in order to have a paid off vehicle. And as I still pay attention to the velocity of money and the inflation that we're all dealing with right now, I don't bring these terms up to be scared or be like, oh, woe is us. It's reality. And in every instance, you know, there are opportunities that arise And maybe the opportunity is that, hey, you know, taking care of your vehicle that you have, in my instance, and putting some significant man hours and work, which, 
you know, a lot of people may think that that doesn't cost me anything. It absolutely does. I don't care what you do for a living. Your time is worth, uh, you know, a tangible amount. And the older I get, the more I find it uh, more valuable that I cannot get time back. Time is is that commodity that I just absolutely feel that is extremely important. And I'm not a super old guy. I'm approaching 40 here real quick. So don't think that it's the old man just giving you. But I have invested enough and try and pay attention and learn from life experiences that if I go ahead and sign on the dotted line for one of those new pickups, I have traded a certain amount of my life and time to pay for that. So my vehicles that I own already, that I paid taxes on, I actually met a gentleman, I believe is a listener of KSGF here the other day, great gentleman. And I think they had like 300000 on their car. It had served them well. And he brought up the discussion of what I you know, kind of badge or call a repower. So in the aviation world, you know, it's not uncommon even now if you were in the market to buy a used plane that you might buy a plane out of the 70s, 80s, 90s that has been meticulously maintained. And then as the drivetrain wore out of it, they do a repower. So they take an airframe is what it's called in the aviation industry. And they pull the power plant out of it and they either rebuild it or put a new one in there. And you go on about your day like nothing ever happened. Well, the reason that that's been so popular in the aviation industry for years, that if you buy a new plane, not only do you get on a waiting list, essentially, but they are so expensive right out of the gate that it's one of those things that if you can repower an older unit, that it's more cost effective. So I know we got probably a little bit of time left, but the point of why I'm bringing that up is the automotive industry is getting so expensive that they're going to follow suit with these repowers, whether it's a new engine transmission combination, whether you you know have taken care of the engine, but the transmission goes out, differential, et cetera, et cetera. You can fill in the blank with whatever you want. But when I look at a $90,000 truck here, That's not something you're just going to discard and throw away is my point. Somebody is going to make an investment, even if it's a $15,000 or $20,000 investment, and repower that vehicle that the airframe of that vehicle is worth putting the investment in that you don't go $80,000 or $90,000 back in debt. But Sarah and I are down at the bottom of the hour. We're going to step into a break. We're going to pick it up on the other side. Your complete car care solution. Custom Car Care. Welcome back, Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. I think we're talking a little economics today, a little worldly. I hope all of you out there, and I know I'm preaching to the choir with listeners of KSGF because they're always very informed folks. And that's probably the thing I love about running into you all out there is that a lot of times you guys are educating me on stuff. There's so much going on in the world right now that if you're not paying attention, I I don't want to be ignorant and put my head in the sand. And I also don't want to be scared about things that are going on. I want to be informed and and prepared to deal with those things. So I guess that's kind of what we're talking about. 
We were talking about doing kind of the repower before we went into the break, and I'm seeing a lot of folks, you guys are coming into the shops, you're going into other shop owners and, and even dealerships. There's some great dealer techs out there. Um, I know of of one of the lead dealer techs out at the Dodge dealer, and that guy is absolutely a rock star. So wherever you're going, if you're getting good service, keep going. Stay with somebody that you've got a good rapport, good communication with, and my mindset has always been, you know, to get as much out of my investments as possible. Now, how have I made some bad investments over the years? Oh, yeah. I have bought some cars that took way more to get them rehabbed and back going. But one of them, I'm in the midst of kind of rehabbing again. It's an old F-150. It's actually my mom's truck at this point. Um, you know, we're going to make a significant investment in time. I've already got a significant investment in time in this truck. But when I think about her having to replace this truck to get something equivalent to what it is on the low end, probably 25 grand, maybe 30, um, on, you know, the reality, the F-150 she's got is a, a late nineties. The technology that's in there, the runnability of it's great. We've got an internal engine noise on it, so we're going to do a repower on this probably. Hopefully it'll last until maybe the spring. Uh, I'm sorry, until the fall. It's spring now, until the fall. Hopefully we can get the use of summertime out of it. Um, it is four-wheel drive. It's just a utilitarian work truck. She's got a little property out there. So when I talk about doing a repower on it, a lot of folks probably look at that old truck and think, oh, my goodness, why would you even do that? You know, regardless that, you know, it's time and there is parts cost uh, associated with it. But when I think about, you know, a couple, three, four thousand bucks here or there versus having to replace it for 25 or 30 and potentially not getting as robust of a truck. You look at a lot of the trucks they build now, you can't beat on them or take them out in the woods like you did the, the trucks of old. They are more of a pavement princess, if you will. They're not all made to really be used. And I'm talking about throwing, you know, two, three rick of, you know, maybe potentially a cord. You'd take a, a quite a stacking savant in order to stack a cord. But this is a long eight-foot bed, regular cab, so you could fit easily two-thirds of a, of a cord of wood in there. You think about doing that to one of these newer trucks and how thin the sheet metal is, how you know weak sauce those trucks are. A lot of times you see guys with newer trucks pulling a trailer because they can beat and bang on the trailer and they don't want to beat and bang on the truck. I don't blame them. I really, really don't blame them. It's, uh, it's one of those things that, yeah, it's an older truck. Um, it's been paid off for years and years and given amazing service. Uh, Sarah and I did a, a show here a, a few weeks ago that talked about the average automotive payment in the United States right now was $777 a month. That's the average. So let's just let's peel it back and say, hey, you bought something used. Your payment's 500 a month. Well, that 500, you're basically in the hole right out of the gate and you're trading however many hours at work or whatever you do for a living to to meet and satisfy that payment, the insurance, the taxes, et cetera. Well, when you think about putting two to 4,000 bucks in an older vehicle, all of a sudden it really doesn't take that much time to offset what you would be signing up on the dotted line for a payment. 
So say it's four grand. I mean, we're we're eight months worth of payment. This truck has been pretty trouble free for so many years. It really deserves a little bit of love, in my opinion. You know, so if you throw a couple thousand, maybe even four thousand bucks at an older vehicle and keep it on the road, how long does it take to get your return on investment? When when you're talking about an average payment of seven hundred seventy seven dollars or five hundred, whatever you want to do your math with. The break-even point or the return on investment really isn't isn't that uh, hefty at that point. And all the other investments that you've made in that truck over the years continue to give you a return on investment. So this particular truck, it's a 98 F-150. It is a manual transmission six-cylinder truck, and it is four-wheel drive. It is truly a work truck. It's a XL, um, so base model, manual windows, etc. The... Investment that has been made over the years, I've put a new differential in it, rear differential. It's got a new clutch in it. It has a new front end under it. And I say new, within the last five to ten years, most of that work had been done. So new clutch, front end, brakes, tires, uh, you know, a significant amount of maintenance and fluid exchanges on it. Every extra mile that I'm able to keep that truck on the road, it's a return on that investment. And I get that money back. So when you, everybody likes to talk about, oh, you buy a new vehicle, you get the depreciation, and it's worth significantly less the moment you drive it off the lot. That's absolutely true, and I agree with it. Everybody knows that. That's not a secret. It's not anything, you know, real. Wow, I'm I'm dropping some knowledge bombs out there. But my mindset lives on the backside of it, and the ability to drive that for many many years, even if I do got to put some love in it. So in the last couple of years, kind of some of the ones that come to mind, I had a gentleman uh, come in or call with an F-250 that needed an engine. He'd had some other folks working on it. Um, it had sat for many years because the work that was done to it didn't help it. Uh, it was still in, in disarray. So not only did we do an engine repower on it, and I did maintenance throughout the rest of the systems. I'm talking power steering, transmission, transfer case, differentials. We rebuilt the brake system on it. But once that truck left, I think it's probably been where we got to be working on a year ago. That gentleman did spend a significant amount of money right at that that fell swoop or that we had it about a month for me to get all that rebuilt, get parts ordered, um, really work out the details, got the AC system working, rebuilt a lot of the cooling system when we did the engine install. That truck has come back for oil changes over the last year. So have we got that gentleman to break even on it? No, we haven't in a, in a year. He has not broke even. But at $777 on average for a truck payment a month, I would say by the following year, you know, if we can get two years out of that truck, which it had a significant longer engine warranty on it, by the way, we have got that gentleman his money back and we still have a truck that's going to perform for many, many more years you know, that engine, there's no reason with moderate maintenance that you shouldn't see a repower last 5, 7, 10, 15, 20 years. Typically, if an engine's going to give up or say it doesn't have to be an engine, if a part is going to go bad, it typically goes bad almost immediately. And if you make it past that 30-day, 60-day year mark, that system, whether it's a transmission, differential, engine, heck, even electrical components, once they pass this certain kind of threshold, and it varies, but typically it's a very short window 
those systems are going to be in good shape for a long time. If it's a faulty part or poor workmanship, it's going to show itself right out of the gate. Now, in today's world, faulty parts and poor workmanship, unfortunately, do happen. But if you've got the right folks that are advocates for it, it happens to us. I order parts from good, reputable vendors, from the dealer, from, you know, many sources. And we order the very best stuff that we can get our hands on. But occasionally we have engines and transmissions or electrical parts that are bad right out of the box. And that's really a tough deal. But because we are a commercial, this is what we do for a living facility, that, yeah, it's a real kick in the pants. But this is our burden to bear. So, yes, we may call and say, hey, we're going to have your vehicle X amount of time longer. This particular instance, this is what happened, and, and it didn't go well. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. My point being is when you're dealing with somebody that lives, eat, and breathes, it doesn't have to be automotive repair, whatever it is, and takes it very seriously to be on the cutting edge side of the industry. Does that mean we're perfect? No, it doesn't. I've got folks that point that out on a regular basis. But the difference is that I own the outcome. And when I say I, I is A1 Custom Car Care, not Dustin Atwood. Okay. A1 Custom Car Care owns the outcome. And we just literally did an engine startup this last uh, week on Friday, and the engine's making noise. It's not acceptable. This engine's going to have to probably come back out, been gone through again, and those are things that we ordered a crate motor and somebody else is responsible for. But the bottom line is we put that engine in, so we're going to see it through. So as bad as it is, having somebody on your side definitely makes a huge, huge difference. And that's what A1's got to offer out there versus what you find in most other industries. We're going to step into our last break. Sarah and I will wrap it up in a bow right after this. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back. Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, I am sure you have seen the Simpsons predict the future. Yes. And I'm sure you've seen, well, I won't say I'm sure you've seen, um, you know, some of the futuristic movies, Demolition Man, Total Recall from back in the day. Mm Mm-hmm. You just uh, alluded to a story from my beloved Ford Motor Company, which really hacks me off big time. What was that story? Because Big Brother is watching. So this is from KY3. Ford seeks patent to repossess cars remotely. Wow. Ford has applied for a patent for technology that lets vehicles repossess themselves. If owners ignore warnings about missed payments, the system starts with disabling features like your GPS, air conditioning, cruise control, and even the radio. So no more KSGF. Boo. Boo. (laughs) And then it could emit irritating sounds. (laughs) That's funny. I shouldn't think that's funny, but like, I'm sure you've seen Dumb and Dumber Mm -hmm. when, uh, Harry and Lloyd are in the front and want to hear the most annoying sound of the world. Do you remember that part? Mm-hmm. You know, what if your car did that just on repeat? <laughs> that would not be great. No, um, it would motivate me to make my payment. I'll say so, that. so then they'll do the irritating sound, but that doesn't work. The owner could get locked out of the vehicle. Now, if the owner still doesn't act, the vehicle may drive itself to a spot for a tow truck to pick it up or to an impound lot, repossession agency or lending institution. And if repossession costs more than the vehicle is worth, the vehicle could drive itself 
to a junkyard. Wow. If that doesn't tell you Big Brother's watching, and I don't want to be uh, the conspiracy tinfoil hat wearing fella, uh, I don't know what else is. Because that's crazy in my book. Now, I'm not saying I'm big on personal accountability, okay? You don't pay your bills, then come take your stuff. I get that. But the fact that maybe a mistake could happen or, you know, crazy things happen. The fact that they can remotely lock you out of the vehicle, which has been going on for a while, by the way. Our GM folks with OnStar out there, you guys are kind of the uh, the the beta test for this at this point in time. So... Uh, think about that when you're buying these new vehicles. Uh, I'm kind of liking my older truck that uh, has no internet, no network connection, no remote access that I can uh, drive it as I please, which I own it. I've paid for it years ago. But it's one of those deals. Uh, it, it, I I don't want to say it's going to get to the point like cell phones where you almost just kind of have a lease plan and you go from phone to phone to phone. But there's been kind of thought or discussion of that in the automotive world that maybe at some point you don't own a car. You have an app, and when you need to go somewhere, this car shows up and picks you up and drives you to where you need to go. You get out, you do your thing, and you go on about your business. But that wasn't your transportation. And for some folks, I could see that, excuse me, working great. If I lived in the Chicagoland area like I did as a kid or something like that, I could see that. But how am I going to get a load of feed from the farm store to my house? Am I going to get some different kind of uh, remote car to to get me, you know, 10 bags of uh, range cubes and get them back to the house and get them fed? I don't know. It's something interesting to think of. But do you ever look at those movies, Sarah, from back in the day and see some of this stuff coming to life? Oh, absolutely. And it's like, I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But... Going back to older vehicles, mm-hmm. ran across this super quick because uh, I feel like Rangers were always talking mm, about them yes. just because I have, I have a love for Rangers. But Ford is recalling around 98,000 Ranger trucks, mm. older models, about 2004 to 2006. Uh, the reason is because they have faulty replacement airbags. So they did a recall, it looks like, in 2017 and 2018 for something very similar, but Now they're saying that those airbags that were replaced back then may have not been installed correctly. Wow. So 98,000 Ranger trucks, like I said, 2004 to 2006 model year, you will be getting a recall alert. They've already been recalled and fixed, and they're not happy with that apparently, so they're recalling it again. (sighs) It's crazy the day, the, the, the time that we're all living in at this point. It just seems... To get more, I don't want to say like normal, but the crazies get more normal every day. I know. I know what you mean. And I don't know. All I can do, I think, is just keep plugging away, keep uh, keeping your head up and seeing what's going on and making the best out of what we got. Now, there are a lot of great things out there. You know, we still uh, have a lot of awesome, awesome opportunities out there. And, you know, it doesn't do any good to get all like doomsday and boo-hooey and just down on it. This is just what we got. These are the cards we've been dealt. And I see a lot of great things coming out of some of this. So I think, Sarah, did we talk about, uh, and if I can remember the analogy correctly, hard times make strong men and good times make weak men. Yes. Okay. And then the good times 
you know, we've had really, you know, you look at the 80s, you know, we had some inflation around 82 to 84, but, you know, from the 80s on into the 90s and the 2000s, life was pretty good. You know, that's pretty much most of my childhood and my young adult days. And things got really easy. I mean, you could order anything from anywhere and get it almost next day. You know, I had Amazon Prime. I still do at this point, And it was two-day shipping. Anything you wanted, if it was Prime, you got in two days. Well, that's not the, the way it is now, at least in my house. But I'm seeing some of these younger generation come in, and I'm seeing a lot of good things about them. My role in the company has changed a little bit. I still do a lot of service work and a lot of work on your vehicles out there, but A1 Custom is much bigger than just what I can do. So I'm very thankful to have some amazing folks that take care of business and and fix things that I don't even know came up, got fixed, and left. But my role now, instead of being you know, 100% devoted to doing service work, is teaching some of the younger folks coming in and and helping usher them into a skilled trade. And that is extremely important in today's day and age. My son is 14. Him and I have been talking about his vocational skills and what he's doing and what he wants to be when he grows up. Now he wants to be a professional athlete like a ton of boys out there. And if he works at it and his his work ethic is good enough and his commitment, I think he could do it. But I don't want him all invested in that and not have a trade to fall back on. And I really don't care what the trade is. If he wants to be an automotive, that's great, but I don't believe that's his passion. His grandpa is one of the absolute best welders that I have ever met. The man taught me a tremendous amount about welding and fabrication that I would not have had otherwise. Those skills I put to work every day taking care of our customers' cars and, and doing, you know, whatever it takes to make their vehicle as good, if not better, than it was when it came to see me. But his passion may be something else. You know, the vocational schools and skills is really where my mind's at right now. And internally as a company, we're trying to make sure and train and equip our young folks so for many years we're going to be able to take care of your transportation needs. But more importantly, you need to, to, to know how important those skilled trades are. I've got a couple of cousins that are amazing plumbers. You know, I've got, you know, friends and family that are in the electrician trade, the culinary trade, the medical field. Those skills right now are going to be, are in such demand and will be for many, many years to come. So if you're a uh, veteran in an industry I hope and pray that you're pouring back into the young folks coming into that industry. I'll be honest, when I came into the industry, I saw a lot of shops and a lot of old timers that didn't want to teach their trade secrets to the new guy because it's like, oh, there's competition. He'll be able to do what I do and I won't be as valuable. That is a scarcity mindset, an absolute trash way to think, in my opinion. If I can teach or leave something to some of these folks and make them better, better than I have ever been, that really is why I get up and come to work every day. I got to make a living. I'm not independently wealthy by no means, but our next generation needs and demands us to pour into them to make them better than we are. Now, I'm not talking about handing them a silver spoon and all that stuff. I'm not talking about giving them nothing, but helping usher them into a good professional skill and trade 
is what's going to keep us from getting into the gutter any worse or farther than we already are. So, Sarah, we made it through the whole show without me pulling my soapbox out until now. <laughs> yeah, the last three minutes. I had I couldn't help it. That's OK. I agree. I am also a, a huge lover of the trades. I think it's incredibly important. I think that we saw that there wasn't as much focus on the trades, especially mm-hmm. with COVID. Yes. Whenever th- everything was shut down, a lot of those businesses that were the most important yeah. were those that were in that trade industry. Well, and even when I was younger, and I'm sure you you saw that throughout your school and academics. If you didn't go to college, you were you were basically dumb. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that college isn't great. College is awesome. Continuing education, but having a skill that's valuable is truly where it's at. That's right. Now. We are officially out of show, Dustin. Now, if you're out there in radio land, you have a question or comment, feel free to reach out to us on our text line, 417-447-5743. Or you can reach out to us on our social media. That is at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Yes, you as well. Be safe. Bye.